This is Peak Too Early, presented by SAV Racing, featuring Mike Gendron, Trent Fontanella, and Steve Gendron. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the greatest running podcast in the world, Peak Too Early. I am one of your hosts, Steve Jenner, and I am joined by Mike Jenner, who is somewhere off the coast of Connecticut. Mike, how you doing? Steve, I got something to admit. I've been taking performance-enhancing drugs from Alberto Salazar for years, <laughs> and I just I'm ready to come clean with it. All right, well let's uh, let's strip Stonehill College of that national championship trip, and let's give it to uh, to Bentley University. <laughs> and as always. At Logan Airport, we got Trent Fontanella powering through, getting it done before he flies out to his next business trip. We have uh, we have moved the house of Sav to the Logan Airport. I'm here. I'm shouting into a microphone. I got a whole <laughs> podcast set up. People around me are looking at me like, who the hell is this guy and what is he doing? But nothing's slowing down the P2E train except for Mike and his admission of drugs because that means, like we talked about last week, our four-by-mile uh, school record may go off the books. But um, I'm assuming you didn't start taking the drugs till after that. So I, I think we can hopefully still have that. I've been taking them my whole life. Me and Alberto back in the day. Well, this is the this is the ultimate grind episode right here because we are up early once again because we were talking to good friend of the program, Morgan McDonald, um, you know, former Wisconsin Badger. Now he, he just come, came back from wor- Worlds running for the uh, for Australia. Um, so he's in Italy visiting his girlfriend. So we're up, you know, at four o'clock in the morning again to talk to him. I'm in um, I'm in where the hell am I? <laughs> I, <laughs> I am in. Don't Philadelphia. say Lowell. That'll sound bad. <laughs> I am in an, in a hotel in Philadelphia. Trent's at the airport. Mike's in Connecticut. So we're all over the place, but we're grinding because this is a this is a labor of love for us. We're having a good time, and you know it was fun talking to Morgan. And we have some really important stuff that we need to talk about today. So we just spoke with Morgan, and we're going to get into his interview soon enough. But man, we got some controversy in the world of track and field, and we got to talk about it. So for before I drop it in before. For any of those people who have uh, not been paying attention to the news, because yes, this actually has been national news. Um, there has been, you know, legendary track coach Alberto Sal- Salazar has been being investigated for a few years now for uh, some allegations made back in, you know, starting in like 2015, 2016, uh, about you know basically pushing performance enhancing drugs onto his athletes. And there's a lot that goes into it. We're not going to break down every piece of it. Uh, but it was just announced this past week that he has been handed a four-year suspension from the sport, and he will not be able to coach acting immediately. So some of his athletes are in Doha competing right now, and he is no longer their coach because the suspension is immediate. Um, I still am digging into exactly you know all the evidence, and I don't think it's all been released at this point. But now we're at the point where... Uh, you know, the Oregon Distance Project, the Nike team, is, you know, under some serious heat. And here's Jenny Simpson's comments on it. Um, get him out. 
that's my reaction. If you cheat, you get banned. I'm a believer in lifetime bans. I wish it was longer. Um, don't cheat. Did you sort of, did you think, I mean, there's been allegations, but nothing was, you know, no sanctions handed down until this week. I mean, what were your thoughts about him before? Were you skeptical? Did you think he should have been gone before? I mean, anybody that knows any about this sport knows that there's a black shadow, black cloud, whatever the analogy you want to make over that group. And so why anyone chooses to be a part of that group, I have no idea. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, anyone that's shocked isn't involved in the sport. So does it make you skeptical? I mean, obviously you're competing against Jessica Hall's front side of both members of that group. Does it make you more skeptical about performances? I don't think you can be that closely affiliated with anyone and not have people point fingers. And I don't feel sorry for you if you're closely affiliated with somebody that has a four-year ban and you're there. But I'm not going to be the judge and jury of specifically which athletes are cheating and which aren't. Uh, I'm going to let you saw it and want to do that job. Do you understand, though, how maybe a young athlete getting into the sport would go? I mean, do you think it's possible that someone could go to that group and not understand what's been going on? I guess the general thing I've been saying is that I don't know, because I would never do it. Uh, I would never make that choice. That choice was the same when I was choosing where to go as it is today. Um, but I just say, like, I'm not going to be the judge and jury who's cheating. But if you're closely affiliated with somebody that has, is now serving a four-year ban and somebody points a finger and says, maybe you're cheating, I don't feel sorry for you. Maybe you're cheating. I don't know. Thanks, Jenna. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, guys, lot to unpack there. Um, mm. You know, this the conversation for us started off when I was I was on my way back from the airport. I was in an Uber on my way to my hotel, and Mike had sent out the video, and I was kind of watching it in my Uber and kind of listening to it. And you know, right away it became very obvious to anybody that pays close attention to, or pays a little bit of attention to this sport that she's talking about the Nike Oregon project. And you know, we can go a couple different ways with this. You know, I, I think first off, you know, Salazar, um, he's always been kind of a um, he's been kind of a shady figure in the sport, and he has been closely attached to a couple of athletes where there's been this speculation around for a couple of years. And I think it's, you know, the the few athletes that he's worked very closely with, um, it's kind of easy to identify who those athletes are. But for me, my biggest problem is is she's by by going after the Nike Oregon project, she is an ambassador for the sport, um, somebody who you know has uh, has you know tons of accolades, is one of the most prolific prolific female athletes in the sport, and she's conde condemning some of the best young athletes in the sport. You know, good friend of the program, uh, Craig Engels is is part of Nike Oregon Project. Um, you know, a gold medalist in the 800 meters, uh, Donovan Brazier, part of the Nike Oregon Project. Um, and so for me, I have a real problem with her kind of condemning the, those young athletes who are coming up, trying to make their way in the sport, because the unfortunate reality of this sport is your reputation is almost everything, especially in a sport because the sport revolves so heavily on sponsorship. And, you know, your image is is essentially your brand and your ability to make money. Yeah, so I have a few points on this. My first one quickly is I am not an Alberto Salazar guy. I never have been. I've always kind of hated the air of Alberto, Alberto Salazar and kind of the people who, like, get super behind him. It just seems like he was one of those things where his, uh, you know, his poo didn't stink kind of deal. Uh, so not an Alberto Salazar guy. My second point is my initial reaction, Steve, and I still stand by it, 
is I am so happy that Jenny Simpson did this, not because I agree with her. I do not agree with her, but I think this controversy is so good for the sport and so good for what we're doing here because, listen, people are talking about it, and it's it's pinning people against each other. It's creating some rivalries. It's creating some tension, which as fans of the sport, I'm not, I guess I shouldn't say it's good for the sport because the sport itself is not good for, but for people who are following the sport, it's good for, because now you got a guy like Craig Angles, who's a bit of a lightning rod coming back and making statements publicly. It feels like the good old days of running a little bit where people are being outspoken and people are, you know, talking. And then next thing you know, it's like, you have to have a race where Jenny Simpson and Jessica Hull have to stand on a line next to each other after those comments get made. And to me, as a spectator of the sport, it's fun. Controversy is fun. But now let me tell you why I do not agree. It's a it's a lose-lose situation for everybody except for people making these claims when you say stuff like that. Because if you if anything, anybody does anything good, right? Donovan Brazier goes and sets an American record and wins the gold medal in the 800 meters, then people can point the finger and say, Oh yeah, well he might be cheating. He he he's with a Oregon project, and there's no way for him to prove that he's clean. I mean, there's just no way to prove that you are clean. You can't do that. But let's say one day one random Oregon project athlete gets popped, then everyone can say, "See, we told you, we told you, everybody on that team is dirty." So it's just a lose-lose situation, and it stinks for the athletes who are at Worlds right now, who are competing, putting you know themselves on the line, really working hard to get them in the place that they're in and now they have to fight off all these questions about whether they're dirty or night well a lot of them are probably clean and you know i'm not saying that every single one of them are but if you're clean and you're working hard to make a name for yourself like you said steve it stinks to have to fight off all these claims so that's where i'm at yeah i'm real hesitant to call it good for track and field when you first said <laughs> that you kind of went yeah. back on a little bit when you first said it, it was like whoa like the outspokenness is good, right? I think people, like you said, talking, just talking their mind, that, that's good, and that's what we want. Um, but this whole thing, like, it's it's a long time coming, so it's it's this like shouldn't be that shocking that maybe major news came um, at this point after like the years and years of, of people looking into this. But this whole thing sucks, right? Like, this is this is Salazar, whether you like him or not, he's the face of of distance running, um, even more than a lot of the athletes in the like like who's been there for uh, an extended period of time as Salazar, nobody. Um, so the whole thing just really like freaking sucks, and, and nobody wins out of it. Um, my first reaction to Jenny saying this or watching the interview was just like, damn, Jenny, like I just just coming in hot. I, I was really <laughs> shocked to see somebody uh, that that brash, and I did kind of appreciate her just 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 speaking her mind i think she went over the top a little bit but i think she has a point um i mean she has a point in one respect but i also think there's a ton of gray area with this stuff right like what is cheating what is not cheating what what is the science of what you're taking as a supplement um is that like a performance enhancing drug or not that sort of thing so i don't think it's fair to attack all the runners out there like she did but um i don't know i thought it was kind of uh i kind of just appreciated her just being like totally honest in front of the, the microphone like that yeah, I think there's a difference between, um, you know, being outspoken and kind of bringing something up like this. Like when I first started watching the video, I was like, I was like, yeah, go off. I was like, yeah, we need more controversy in the sport. We need people to be outspoken. And, you know, in the back of my mind, I was like, all right, she's going after Salazar. 
kind of an easy target right now. Like, where have yeah. you been the past four years? Like, you could have brought it up at any point during that. Um, you know, but I, I think my, you know, my biggest problem with this whole situation and what Jenny Simpson is doing is, like I said earlier, one of the most prolific athletes in the sport. She has the ability um, with her resume and kind of with her, you know, the image she has built, she can go to any brand that she wants. She can go to any training club that she wants and she can be, she will be taken part of that team. Um, Nike Oregon Project athletes, if you're a Nike Oregon Project athlete, you probably have other options. You probably have other brands, other groups that you can train with. But Nike Oregon might be your best option. And I guarantee you it probably is. Um, and, you know, as somebody that trying to make their way in the sport, it is so impossible to make it in this sport as a professional athlete. It is so impossible to make money in this sport. And you get an opportunity to go to, you know, one of the one of the most powerful, most well-known training groups in the world. You're going to take that opportunity. I mean, if I had the opportunity, I probably would. If I was a kid coming out of college, you know, you put yourself in that situation. Um, and just to kind of say that the entire Nike Oregon project is uh, is is dirty and has a, you know, quote unquote, black cloud isn't fair because Alberto Salazar only coached and coaches a small group of their athletes. You know, uh, you know, guys like Craig and Donovan have a completely different coach and aren't connected to Salazar at all. Yeah, I, that's another point I was going to make, too, is like he he oversees the whole thing. Right. I mean, it's, it is his team, but there's a lot of different like groups and sections of the Nike, Nike Oregon project that don't directly report to Alberto Salazar. Now, I think even the guys who are coached by Pete Julian, you know, still seem to be coming to the defense of Salazar a little bit. It seems like Craig was, you know, well, we'll wait to see what happens. There's there's a you know, there's still a. A decision to be made on all this is still an appeal happening so it seemed like they were still defending him but yeah I don't know it, it and and I get all you're saying Steve all those points are perfectly correct and I do agree with them but like I said from a strictly fan point it's like having having rivalries is fun like I almost find myself like I'm a, I'm a bigger fan of Nike Oregon Project than I ever have been because I'm like finding myself having to defend them and to, you know, take their side and to make these these arguments. And it's kind of fun to see. Like I said, I, I want more people to get involved in this because it's great. It, it's so much fun. I've never been so glued I, to a news story in running, though, Steve. It's like every yes. time somebody comes out and speaks about it, it's like I, I got to listen to it. This is awesome. Yes and no, Mike. I mean – it is fun having a little bit of controversy and, you know, being able to kind of like pull for a team and kind of fight for their honor. I mean, you know, we know we know we have no shortage of that being diehard Patriots fans. Right. Um, right. But this is the wrong topic. I mean, because this this is just it's demoralizing because it's just kind of like it really kind of questions the whole sport. And it just, you know, we're, we're going to talk to Morgan later. And he was just like, remember he, he brought up, he's like, this is my single least favorite topic in the world. He's yeah. like, because it sucks. It takes, it, it ruins the integrity of our sport. And it just kind of takes away from everything. Because now every time somebody crosses the finish line and they have a super impressive performance, I can do nothing but just be like, are they clean? You know, and it sucks that that's the fact They like that's that's what's the you know, the first thing I think of when I see a super impressive performance or I, not that I want to think of, but I know that the rest of the world has to think of when somebody crosses the finish line because of situations like this. 
I think the the average track fan too, um, they're not as excited about you know the back and forth going on between the athletes. But this is like a a great uh, I know something people cite as as a reason why they wouldn't get in track and field. Like what's the point? Um, who's got the the best you know uh, substances getting pumped into their bodies or whatever? So I think it's uh it's fun to follow right now. Like you said, Mike. But yeah, it's. It's not good. It's uh, like the whole Patriots thing, deflate gate, you know, us against the world was kind of a fun mentality. But in the long run, like that whole thing sucked. And, and you still kind of have this black stain um, that is totally made up. And, and let's not ridiculous. even, you know, I just want to say on the airwaves right now, I do not want to I do not want in any way, shape or form connect a witch hunt to to something that is legitimate <laughs> I, you know let's a reach, my, my point is out, whether it's legit or not because that yeah. is a witch and i totally agree whether it's legit or not it still sucks that it happened like in the long run right um so stuff like this where you're questioning the integrity of a, a sport um it's just i don't know it just it just can't be good for the long run but that stuff's not new in sports right every sport in the history of sports it feels like at this point has faced pretty much this exact same scandal I mean, we spent our entire childhood growing up with the baseball Balco stuff, and it was what you were just saying, Steve. Every player that was hitting over 50 home runs, everyone was like, oh, yeah, that guy's not clean, right? And you had to assume that anybody who was was good at baseball in the early 2000s was was on the juice. And the way that baseball handled that and the way that, you know, the the sports community rallied around that was that the best thing for the sport, I don't know. I mean, you can go back and look at how that scandal was was handled, and you know where it put the sport of baseball. So I guess that's I guess that's where I'm at. Like, where how how do we as a as a sports community handle handle this same scandal? Because it can either you know create excitement around the sport, or it can bury a sport for years and have you pull out of a hole. It's so funny that you've just brought up alcohol. It's literally I have written down on my piece of paper. It'd be like it'd be like assuming all of San Francisco Giants athletes are well, it's dirty from now and all time. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, I think Balco is 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 actually in a, a a perfect example of what I'm trying to say and why this is kind of scary for the sport. Um a sport that is growing and that we're trying to help grow is in the nineties you know, baseball was king. Baseball was the number one sport in America. And you kind of go through these steroid scandals and it just com- it really hurt baseball. And baseball has fallen and it's never really recovered since the steroid era. Um, so, yeah, I get what you're saying that people are talking about it. It's kind of putting it front of mind and, and how the sport reacts to it and kind of how we move forward is going to be is actually really important. Um, um, but we it could also be really bad if it's handled the wrong way. Um, but the other thing I want to bring up guys is this is, this was, you know, the, we're talking about something that happened a little while ago. And I, I think, I think when you read through, um, the suspension and what's going to happen with it, and I actually think, I, I think there's a very, very good chance that this is going to get, um, appealed and overturned because it's really foggy and it's really gray. And I don't want to go too far into exactly what went into the suspension, um, but from what I make out from this is that Salazar, whatever the line was, he was always flirting with that line. And he never egregiously crossed over it. But there was like it was one of these things where they've been looking to to get him for a long time and they found something 
to like pin on him and they found like a an area where he he did slightly step over the line and they came down on him hard so first off it's not like he egregiously you know went went over the line here and i really think that you know people were looking to pin something on him for for a long time and i don't want to get too far down the road of defending salazar but i think it needs to be said and it's something that isn't being talked about right now it, it needs to be said steve but to your point earlier does it does it matter right it's the reputation that matters and so even if the appeals process you know wipes away the the suspension and salazar doesn't actually have anything you know any firm punishment from this and nothing really changes the damage has been done um the the reputation is is totally you know screwed up and then as jenny pointed out the reputation of a lot of the athletes that with it whether fair or not um has been damaged as well yeah and it's weird because i feel like you got to go hard one way or hard the other because either you relax your your uh viewpoint on the whole drugs thing and just kind of turn a blind eye and let people do whatever they want or you have to have a very hard line about where we what we consider cheating in the sport because as soon as you are in the middle ground there and it's like ah uh, well you know, people are crossing the line a little bit but where it's like that that's when it becomes very gray and you don't know it becomes hard to define who's cheating and who's not cheating. So I do think having like a hard line, like, listen, right here, if there's any foul play whatsoever, you're done and you're getting suspended. Um, I mean, if that's if that's the road that we're going to take and we think that's the best road for the sport, then I think that's the road you need to take. If if some if if I mean the sport and the governing bodies are mad at Salazar for kind of flirting with that line you know, of what's cheating, what's not cheating, because there is there is a significant amount of gray area there. I guess my question to you guys is, what's the point of the line? If you're not supposed to go up to the line and kind of push the limits of what is allowed, you know, what's the point of it? I mean, that's, I mean, to me, that's like, I feel like that's kind of almost what you're supposed to do. Yeah, the, the, uh, the drawing of the line is also like very difficult, right? Like you look at GNC or something, all of the the shit you can buy in there, like and who knows what's inside of it, uh, and like the the chemicals that scientists are creating and the supplements that they're creating is moving faster than what people can test for. Um, and so a lot of times you're taking stuff and you're not even, you know, uh, or I could see somebody taking stuff that you know prescribed to them, not prescribed to them, but they pick up at the GNC or something, and you don't even know if it's on like one side line or the other. And that's kind of the point um, that you're making, Steve, of, of pushing that line. And I think. It's just kind of, I don't know, there's no way to avoid it, right? You can't say uh, to stay totally away from the line because there's so many other innovations people are doing, right? Like, I don't know, sleeping in the, the stuff that puts it like you're at high altitude. Um, there's all there's all sorts of weird stuff that people are doing to try and find that line. You kind of have to. Um, and so when, you, when you're in that gray area like Salazar has been playing in, you may cross it, you may not, but there's kind of a a certain defense to that of just, you know, there wasn't a firm line against what I was doing. And so we did it type of thing. So here, here's a hypothetical and I'm not advocating for this whatsoever, but let's say hypothetically back in the early two thousands, when the whole Balco thing was happening, baseball went the other direction and loosened the standards. What do you guys think that that does to the sport? And what do you think that that, I mean, is, is there an argument to be made to be loosening the standards the other way in track and field? to standardize everything well i think we have an answer for that one league 
kind of did that, and they yeah. are now the most popular league I know. In, America, I, in the NFL. And so, I mean, that's kind of what I'm getting at, Mike, here, right? Is, like, there, there's so much gray area. And, like, I think maybe loosening up and, and, and waiting until there is an egregious step over mm-hmm. the line to come down on somebody is the way to go. I think you, as a sport, you get into problems like you, you get you get the fans distrusting the sport when you try to go after somebody that's flirting with the line. Wait till there's a significant and clear step over the line. Wait till somebody you 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 nail somebody for for something that is that is uh, very clearly illegal. I think that's the way to go with it because I mean essentially that's what the NFL is doing, yeah. right? They've they've kind of they've they've kind of avoided like all the blurred line conversations and yeah there there are going to be there 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 are going to be penalties they'll move quickly and swiftly if it's clear that you stepped over the line but if it's not clear then they're just kind of gonna turn a blind eye to it with it which is you know proven very successful for them yeah. R- running running different than baseball and football in a big way though and that's there's no skill to running, right? Running is truly just the maximum like physical uh, ability that you can present that day on the track or on the course or whatever you're doing. And so you can add steroids to baseball, right? And it's still like an entertaining skill game of seeing who can actually hit the, the curveball or whatever, or football, who can make the throw um, and read a defense. When you start bringing this shit into running, it really just becomes like a laboratory. And it's like, who's got the best scientists that can that can hook you up. So I think it's it's a major it's it's very different in that way. And I get really nervous about um, I don't know having a soft line on things like that because that's absolutely like the only thing that we don't want running to become is you know who's got the best team around them. It's the whole thing that we're about is just getting up and freaking like running that day and not worrying about all the extra stuff out there. So that, that that's what would scare me. You're right. No, you're absolutely right. And that's why. This is a uh, very tricky and a very sucky conversation. Yeah, it does. It sucks. You know? Yeah, no. Uh, I mean, I think I think we I think we I think all three of us made some very valid points on all sides of the argument. And at the end of the day, it's like it's impossible. It's an impossible job that these governing bodies have in front of them. Steve, I think I have the solution. What's that, Mike? It's the feed.com. If these oh. athletes were just going to the feed.com and getting you know, all their vitamins and all their supplements from the feed.com, we wouldn't have this problem. So maybe we should, you know, get in touch with our boy Alberto and see if he knows about the feed. The feed is an online sports nutrition vendor and the number one resource for athletes. The feed offers everything you need. I guess not everything you need, but every legal thing you need for training, racing, recovery, sleep, anti-aging, weight loss, and heck, the feed even carries products that can help cure a hangover for a post-race celebration. The feed carries over 200 brands of the best nutrition, recovery products, and supplements. Whether you're looking for hydration products, gels, energy bars, foam rollers, CBD products, or quality supplements, the feed carries it all. Brands like Martin, Goo, Honey Stinger, Cliff Bar, Infinity, RX Bar, Vital Fit, all of your favorite brands are available at the feed. Go to thefeed.com, use promo code P2. E15 to get 15% off. And now until November 31st, you gotta do it before you lose it. Guys, I got yeah. a little I got a little carried away on the feed the other day. <laughs> it's, it's easy like, to. It's so I I uh I was just checking it out and adding a few things to the cart. 
and then you see like minimum order for free shipping and i'm almost there so it's like all right let me just try and get that minimum order and then all of a sudden it's like you know some massive ups packages coming so i'm very excited for my first feed.com purchase using the p2e bonus code yeah so if you want to get all every advantage that you can possibly have in this sport in the legal sense go to the feed we love the feed it's awesome use our promo code you know support us support our good friends at the feed um so guys uh you know we don't want to spend too much more time on this topic but it is important to for us to talk about the fact that our you know like i said earlier friend of the program craig engels part of the nike organ project when he got off the track um, after his uh, 1500 meter semifinal, short the the next day after Jenny had made these comments, he had some some uh, some comments uh, in regards to what Jenny had said the day before. Yeah, yeah. You said she's wild. What did you mean by that? Man, that's brutal. It was it was crazy. I, that morning, I had breakfast with Jenny Simpson, and we were talking about what animals we think if we encountered in the wild we could kill. And it was the most casual conversation. And then all of a sudden, she's trashing everyone. <laughs> I'm like, Jesus Christ, Jenny. <laughs> what do you have against me and Jessica Hole? I'm like, we just, like, Don and her just joined. I'm like, Jenny's just brutal, you know? She's, uh, the more people she says are dirty, it's like, are you, are you like, saying that they're not capable of running what you are because you're clean? I don't, it's just, it's just the, it's just the thing, because, when she gets in front of the camera, she gets on her high horse and all this stuff. And I love Jenny as a person, and she's been a great role model. But just she needs to chill in front of the cameras and whatever she's trying to get herself into the spotlight. So, guys, what uh, what animals do you think you could kill in the wild if you're <laughs> hilarious? Laugh out loud moment from Craig. But you know, uh, he 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 kind of he kind of you know, brings up some really good points there. And, you know, we're obviously biased because, you know, we're friendly, we're friendly with Craig, but I think he kind of, uh, he, he vocalized a lot of the points where I was trying to make where it's just like, here's a guy who's doing, you know, everything right. He's working his ass off. He's, you know, he's, he's qualifying for the finals at Worlds in the 1500 meters. He's doing everything to um, promote the, a very like um, positive, like, image and really trying to set himself up in a place where you know he can have like a long healthy career in this sport and he just felt like i feel like jenny just attacked us for blindly for no reason it, it's fun to see craig like you know he's got his prefontaine look going with his prefontaine mustache yep. and then you see him on camera being outspoken like that it's like oh my god the reincarnation you could that you could pick that clip clip out and put it in without limits i know it's ridiculous it's like this is the reincarnation of prefontaine but um it, it was interesting because i feel like by the end of it he he started off really well spoken and then started to lose it by the end but i think it was because he was like physically getting upset like talking about it like yeah. he you could tell he was bothered by it and uh that he was you know genuinely hurt um by it and i don't know that really spoke to me when i was watching it what I think is interesting, so the point about, you know, the animals that get killed in the wild, right? You can have this <laughs> chill conversation with somebody. But it made me think, when you interview somebody right after they just went, you know, full full effort on the track, and it's like minutes after they walk off the track, people will say anything. Like, it's kind it's of awesome. a really, like, <laughs> tough time to get interviewed. Like, I don't think Jenny 
would have said the same thing if she wasn't like physically depleted. And the same thing with Ingles. I think he, he would have maybe said it a little bit differently. Um, and so it's a really weird part of track and field where you, you do these interviews immediately after and people are not totally like coherent. And we've all been there when you're just physically exhausted. You're like, ah, screw it. I'll, I'll say whatever or I'll do whatever. <laughs> um, it's just easier to do that after you've just kind of just put your whole body on the line. So I don't know. It's kind of a it's a weird thing that track and field has. It's just probably good and, and bad in some ways. Yeah, I hate it when I just race race on a national level and I have all these media outlets shoving microphones in my face. You know, we've all been there, Trent. No, I mean like you, you <laughs> run, know, just kidding. You run just... a freaking balls to the wall <laughs> race, right? Kidding. And like you have to yell at your teammates after or you're something like that. And it's like, well, I probably wouldn't have done that if I hadn't just freaking like <laughs> don't work out. But yeah, um, no, I'm just I'm just I'm just kidding, man. Um, you know, I yeah, I think the that clip is important. Um, just because it, it, it does show kind of how emotional he was about it and um, how upset it made him. But it also, like, I think it kind of gave a little bit of a glimpse into the athlete's world where it's like these guys, when, when they go to these international meets, they're essentially like living together at the same hotels and they see each other. And, you know, it's got to be a really awkward next breakfast when you're <laughs> kind of in the buffet line and you see Jenny Simpson. It's just like, well. That girl, that lady right there was just trying to destroy my entire career. <laughs> you know what, yeah, Mike? Was... I'm starting to come around a little bit. I'm starting to like this little, like, you know, uh, you know, little infighting and, like, a little bit of, uh, you know, aggressiveness between the athletes and the different clubs. I'm starting to think – I'm starting to come around to what your way of thinking now. I've I've been calling for rivalries in this sport forever, so I'm just – I'm sitting back and enjoying it. I just wish the rivalries could be again uh... – Anything else, like uh, disagreement <laughs> about what animals you could kill in the wilderness. <laughs> yeah. Oh, amen to that. Um, so we are going to transition now. We are going to go into our interview with good friend of the program, Morgan McDonald. He is on for his second interview. We brought it up in the interview, but so much has changed in his life since since the last time we talked to him. We talked to him after he was you know, just finishing up with, with uh, indoors, heading into outdoors in college. He's become a... He's become a national champion, a national champion again in the 5K. He's become a professional. He's run all these pro, these pro races. Um, it was really good to talk to, to Morgan again. Let's get into it. All right, we welcome back to the show our first repeat guest, Morgan McDonald. Welcome back to Peak Too Early. Thanks for having me, boys. Good to be back. Well, since the last time we spoke, Morgan, you've uh, you won the uh, NCAA 5K Outdoors, then you uh, you signed a contract with Under Armour. You competed in your first Diamond League meet. You won the Long Island Mile. You competed in Worlds. Life's changed quite a bit for you over the past seven months. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been pretty good. You know, it's just been like the whole season was just one season of just a lot of fun. You know, and it kind of just kept going kept going and i was having a good time and uh yeah i got some good results on the way yeah i signed a contract with Andrama. so yeah it's been pretty awesome to me what's been what's been the highlight for you since you uh since you graduated from school oh man that's a tough question um i think i mean all the races i had were great like my trip to new york was great getting to the walls was great um it's really hard to point out one. I will say, like, it was pretty big to kind of, like, sign a contract and, like, commit to, like, kind of, like, what my setup's going to be, um, staying with my coach, Mick, from college and stuff. Like, that was pretty big for me, so that was pretty awesome. Is it fun getting paid? 
it's pretty fun. <laughs> I don't know. It's like, honestly, like so far my life hasn't changed very much. Um, kind of just doing the same old, same old that I was doing. So yeah, but, uh, and uh, it's not bad at all. It's not bad to get paid to like do what you love. It's, uh, it's awesome. Morgan, I, you know, I can give you a pass the first time because you didn't know us, you, you know, you were still in college. So coming on our show, that was kind of a cool thing. Why would you ever, now knowing us and having talked to us before, come on our show a second time? <laughs> um, yeah, just a heads up, the, the morning guys are right next to me right now. I don't, know how, I don't know how loud that is. I hope it's not too bad. But, uh, no, nah, I mean, I love you guys. Uh, <laughs> I love what you guys do. Um, it's awesome to see shit like this, you know. So, of course, I'm going to come back if I, if I get the invitation. We saw Morgan at the Fifth Avenue Mile, so the, you know, awesome race, by the way. You kind of took Thank it you. took it really hard to the finish there, you know, just kind of got nipped at the finish line. And so we, we hustled down to the finish line to see if we could say hi to some of the guys we knew. And right as we get to the finish line, Morgan's walking out with a with a race official. And we're like, hey, what's up, man? We're shaking his hands. Good to see you. It's an awesome race. And you, and there's just a guy behind you staring at us, just grilling <laughs> us. And like, sorry, guys. I got to go get drug tested. Yeah, I was <laughs> like, I'm just see you guys. I was like, damn, my boys are here. Let's say hello. Nah. No, sorry. I got to get drug tested. Yeah, I got to go pee in front of some people in the middle of Central Park. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's that's what happens. That's what happens sometimes. Yeah. I don't know if you want to if you want me to go in and tell the story about the drug test, because it is actually a pretty funny story. What happens? Yeah, 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 yeah. I would like to hear that. <laughs> OK, so um, and I have stories like this every time I get drug tested because and this is just me. This is a little insight into me as a person. Um, I am very, very, very scared of like peeing in public, like in front of people. <laughs> Like, I don't know what happened to me. Like, I think I got scarred when I was a child or something. And it's just like, it's my greatest weakness. And so obviously, I get drug tested, like, somewhat frequently. And this makes those situations just, oh, so tough. Like, they just take forever. And this was probably one of the worst ones I've had. Like, the lady at Usada, like, she hates me so much. So <laughs> the way it goes down is uh, it's, in, um, it's in the park in New York City, like, hustle and bustle. And they just have like this tent which connects to like a porta potty where the person like watches GP. And so there's just like a lot of shit happening. So for someone like me who already struggles, this is not my ideal like happy place to uh, be in front of someone. And so it's after the race. I'm like, oh boy. And I got kind of like randomly selected because like they, I think at this race at Fifth Ave, they did like first place and then randoms. And then as soon as they select me, I'm like, all right, you guys are in for one today. <laughs> Bad choice. And so uh, as you would know, like the, we're like the last race. So while we're getting drug, while I'm getting drug tested, um, the people are packing up like everything, like all the tents and stuff are going down. And I'm, I'm, you know, taking my time. It's like maybe been like an hour, 90 minutes or something. And, like, the people have come around to our tent. I'm, like, the last one there. Like, everyone else is done and gone. And the people, like, the, the cleanup people have come to the tent. And we're like, they're, like, yo, like, can we, like, can we pack this tent up? Like, we want to go home. And the drug oh testing lady God. has to be, like, no, nah, like, we can't move this. Like, we, oh. just, we just can't. Like, and so then I'm, like, sitting there. She's, they're, like, oh, well, can you go? I'm, like, well, no. Like, this isn't helping me at all. And then um, so they're kind of, like, arguing a bit because, like, the people are, like, yeah, like, we just want to fucking pack up and go home. And everyone is, like, hinging on just me being able to pee in front of this person. And, you know, as you would imagine, like, that doesn't make it any easier at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> so this went on for a bit. And then eventually it got to the point where it was so ridiculous that, like, 
the lady, the side lady is like, all right, fine. We're like, we'll go back to the hotel. So they have to like pack up everything and walk me to the hotel. And once we got to the hotel, I could go luckily, but it was a good, uh, it was a good like three hours, four oh, hours maybe. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Man, they were just they just hated me so much. But yeah, that happens. That happens pretty often. I'm not gonna lie. Dude, that sounds brutal. like a nightmare scenario. So let's uh let's talk a little about your experience down at Worlds. Uh, what's it like down in Doha? How was uh, so, uh, the atmosphere at the race? I mean, I know that uh, it seems like most of the races there wasn't a huge crowd, but it seemed surprisingly like the 5K drew a, a, a pretty rowdy crowd, at least for the finals it did. I'm not sure how it was for your race. No, it was actually really cool. So, yeah, the um, honestly, like I, I've, like, I've always seen a bit of flack for Doha like with the whole championships, but from my perspective, it was actually a really good experience. Like They actually did a really good job putting it on. Um, Obviously, it's like crazy hot there, but like they had all this AC and stuff. I don't even want to know like how much money they spent on it. But <laughs> from that side, it was actually like it was done really well. And um, yeah, the crowd obviously wasn't big for all the events, but um, there's like a ton of um, people from I think mostly like Ethiopia, maybe Kenya as well, then maybe Uganda. And so like yeah, if there is one event that they get around, it's definitely like the distance stuff. And then the five K, obviously, there was a bunch of like really good Ethiopians, so they were going crazy. They were having a good time there, so it was actually pretty sweet. Uh, so Morgan, you know, Steve listed out all your accolades. You've been you've been nonstop, right? You had uh, NCAA's, and then you kind of had the summer circuit. Then you're headed over to, to Doha for the World Championships. Uh, do you give yourself any time to to take a break? Is it time to let your body relax a little bit? Yeah, so I'm finally on that uh, downtime now. I'm kind of on vacation, just. Not really caring about running, not really running at all, I guess. Um, and it's good. Uh, I will say, like, the season, it actually wasn't that tough because um, what well, was obviously tough, but in terms of, like, I didn't feel that burnt out or anything by the end uh, because kind of the way that we approached it was, like, we knew that we were going to be doing this, um, you know, long season the whole time. It was kind of always the goal. And uh, I think my coach, Mick, he's really good at kind of, as well as, like, Obviously, in a season, you have the, the physical ups and downs, like the mental ups and downs. I think he takes those into account really well. So, for example, you know, like I take a break after um, NCAAs. Like I went on a little vacation there as well. And so stuff like that, I think, was good to just keep me fresh. And I'll be honest, like right now um, is the time when it's going to actually be kind of tough to like switch off because I've just been on for so long. And now like, my coach is like, all right, like you need to go away and just not care about running for like three weeks and just just live. But like for so long, I've been like, and I'm coming off World Champs, I've been like so intense. I'm like, you know, like gotta do this, gotta do that. It's actually kind of hard to switch off right now, but uh, I think it's very important to do. So, so what is what is switching it off like? Are you just not running, or are you kind of letting yourself do you know easy jogs when you feel like it and just not put no clock on it? What what does it look like for you? Um, it's been no running so far, like. So I'm actually in Venice right now. So like, even if I wanted to run, like, it'd be um, pretty hard just because it's like there's nowhere to run here. I might go for try to go for a couple little jogs here and there um, because, well, from like from like a mental standpoint, it's like yeah, you just don't care at all. Like, just live your life, just do whatever you want. And then from a physical standpoint, it's like fitness-wise, I'm not worried. Like, I'll be able to get back any fitness I lose. That's not an issue. Um, so I, I normally take like two to three weeks completely off, but this time I might do a little bit of jogging here and there because from like an injury standpoint, 
it's actually, for me at least, and I think most people would say this, like it's better just to keep your body moving over a little bit so that you don't decondition too much, especially for like tendons and stuff like that. Um, that's like, you know, a lot of the time when I take a break, I, when I come back is like kind of my highest injury risk time. So I think I might try to do a little bit of jogging just to help with that. But apart from that, it's like, yeah, like as a runner, you're, you're so all year round, but this is the time where you really just got to switch off and just not care really. Yeah. Morgan, you've been talking about like how, uh, wild of a year this has been for you and becoming a professional runner and all that stuff. But do you, is there any part of you that misses being back in college and the, you know, the college lifestyle and the, the team down there? Oh yeah, definitely. Like, um, you know, that's something so special. And especially like what I had at Wisconsin, like that was the type of thing where like I lived in a house, like a seven bedroom house with all teammates, um, next to the stadium. And that's like my whole life there, you know, and these are like my closest friends and stuff. So it's like, yeah, it's, it's like, it's awesome. And it's definitely one of those things where, you know, it's like, yeah, it's like for everyone, you know, college is like the best time of your life. Like not necessarily that it is going to be the best time of my life, but it's something that's very unique. I would yeah. say like it's something that you never really like live in like a shitty, like seven bedroom house with your friends. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so have it's you, like, yeah. Have you been, uh, that weird alumni who comes back and like hangs around the, the parties <laughs> and like talks to all like the freshman uh, girls and stuff like that yet? No, I'm not. Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't been in Madison. It's, it's, yeah, it's not. It's not ideal, but I haven't been in Madison a ton. But uh, I don't know. You at some point you certainly and you're like when these freshmen they look so young now. Like I'm, I'm obviously like I'm cool with them, but I'm like yeah, it's, I'm a little old for this. It's time to move on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where are you gonna make your home base? I mean, are you gonna are you gonna stay in Australia? Are you gonna be back in the United States? Where do you think you're gonna kind of stay and train? So Madison is still going to be my home base. Like I moved into a new apartment there um, with a couple of friends, but I will say like I'll be spending less time there because I'll kind of have like the flexibility to go to other places. So the rest of this year, I'll be back in Australia, get a get a new visa, hopefully get that sorted and then um, come back over. But I'll be able to spend, I think I'll be spending a lot of time in Arizona, like Flagstaff training and stuff and doing the doing the whole attitude thing so i'm really excited for that it, it kind of sounds like not too much is going to change initially though you know just get a few friends staying in madison it's kind of like what i do in my first apartment like get the get the track boys back in town and have like yeah. track house <laughs> no it's not bad i mean it's like it's kind of weird because like i'm paying for it but i'm like never there right now because i'm, I'm pretty much going for the whole rest of this year but no i like there were certain things that obviously like worked for me really well in college. So I'm like, wh why would I change those, you know, like, and those are things that I really like. So I'm going to definitely keep some of the things the same, but yeah, at the same time, there's a lot of, it's still a big time of transition, like just in life in general. So things inevitably were going to change. Yeah. Speaking of uh, college and your boys down at Wisconsin, a couple months after we had you on for the first time, we had your former teammate and uh, yeah. fellow Australian Ollie Hor on. And yeah, how was that? <laughs> it, it was great. It was great. And I, I'm just going to paraphrase here. I have a couple of things he says. This not direct quote, but pretty close. He said something yeah. along the lines of uh, that he has better hair than you, um, that true. he has a better Australian accent than you. That uh, is true. And he did say that he was a better interview than you. So I don't know. Do you That's do you want to respond to Ollie? <laughs> So the hair one, um, that's obviously not true. 
seen his hair it's freaking like he's almost boating i think so i don't know he's got I, he's got some work to do there um the second one australian accent one i'll have to give that to him i don't know you guys can probably tell i don't even sound australian anymore it's really sad actually i don't know like i lost it like straight away so i'll give that one to him interview one interview wise like i mean i guess i'll leave that up to you guys but i think i think we know what the answer is there <laughs> Yeah, we ended up, uh, the big joke on this podcast is it was just me and Trent on, on that one. And uh, when Ollie was on, we ended up talking about team showers for about 20 minutes. That pretty much <laughs> lasted the entire interview. So, I mean, that's all I really, that's that's the main thing for me as well. So, I mean, I could talk about them for a whole podcast as well. I, uh, I texted, I, uh, I, I didn't know it was coming because I wasn't on with them for the interview. And uh, the next morning when it came out, I listened to it. I was like, hey, guys, great interview. A lot of weird shower talk, though. <laughs> we just let the interview go. You go where Ollie wanted it to go. That's all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously, that's something that, I mean, yeah. I mean, we have some good team showers together. I'm not going to lie. They're, they're, really, they're really a lot of fun. So, um, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Well, hey, so I, I got I got a little bit of a serious question for you here. Um, and please, if you f- if don't feel like you have to answer this, but um, no, you have to. Jenny Simpson made some uh, some pretty aggressive comments the other day after her Maybe race. You can ask about this. And again, don't feel like you have to answer it. She made some pretty aggressive uh, comments. And I think for us, you know, it, 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 it didn't seem fair because that tag, once you get put on you, it, it you kind of have a stigma on you. And um, in a sport that's all about, you know, where you're going to make most of your money kind of off of your um, your your public persona and the way you kind of come off to to uh, to brands and sponsors, it just seems like unfair and, and reckless. Um, do you have do you have any take on it or kind of where she's coming from? Yeah, I mean, like this is this is what I'll say is like I feel I feel like it's really hard to really comment on this stuff because it's like there's just so many unknowns like there's just so complicated and so much to it like oh man like you have you guys have no idea how bad i wish there was like a crystal ball that could just like (laughs) put the truth out there for everyone but that's just not the reality it's just it's so different for everyone and like i mean there's a lot of uh obviously controversial stuff with that group and like you know, I don't. I don't think like anyone's like not aware of that. So I think that's like if you chose to go, that's something that like you kind of you, you like like you know that's gonna follow you. But I think for some people, it's like if they know that like they're clean, like that's what's most important to them. You know, like they'll say like, I mean, other people can say what they want, but at the end of the day, what really matters is to them the truth. So I mean, if that's the if that's like the line that they take, then I mean, I can see, I can see why you would do that, you know, but still like you have to know that like, yeah, like you're going to definitely get this. uh, It's going to have an effect on your reputation, like no matter what, it just will. Yeah. It's, uh, it's obviously in the news right now, but how much do you uh, talk about that with like people, you know, at your level of like rumors about who's doing what, or how much do you worry about it? Is it like disappointing? sometimes if there's oh, a rumor yeah. about somebody I hate it. your ass. I hate it. It's like the worst part of the sport. Like it's so bad because it's the reality is like I mean I, I don't like to really ever talk about like I mean it's like a thing. It is and but it sucks. So I don't really like to talk about it because I don't like to think about it too much because I think 
some runners end up talking about it way too much and it does get to the point where like they'll throw out accusations on everyone and it's like what's the point then you know and i hate that so much like so i understand it's a thing and it sucks but it's like yeah i don't it's not something that i try to get too caught up in because i think it's just like i mean the re if i look at like the reasons why i run like it's very it's very like to do with me very personal like i'm trying to be the best version of me so if other people are doing like that type of stuff like it's it's I mean, it does have an impact on me, but it doesn't have an impact on, like, a lot of the reasons why I'm actually here doing it. So, um, yeah, I try not to get too caught up in it. Yeah, it's it's interesting because the three of us have been calling for track and distance running to become more popular and get more in the news and, and have all these great things happen. And it's like, you know, so many great things happened this past week and are still happening. We're at a world championship. We have you know, records being set, world championships being named, and finally track and field gets in the news, and I'm getting, like, ESPN updates, but it has to be for, like, this garbage, and now all these storylines are going crazy, and I'm sure for you guys it's frustrating where it's, like, you were literally competing at a world championship, and now everyone's having to deal with this subject. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty crazy. It's some, It's certainly something that's just, like taking over the whole sport and it's like it's 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 massive you know but yeah. um i mean that's the reality of it you know people love the scandals and stuff and it's it's certainly like a big one that like has been floating around for a really long time so i can certainly understand like the um the interest behind it yeah i swear i'm clean i, I promise yeah <laughs> steve asked that question much more elegantly i was gonna ask the same question but i was just gonna ask you to list every athlete you know that is is dirty so i'm glad steve asked it <laughs> so honestly like oh, it's crazy i just like it's so hard for me to empathize with like someone taking drugs because it's like at the end of the day man it's just freaking running like what are you doing like yeah yeah <laughs> like what's the point like why do you run like if you really like uh i just don't it's so hard for me to get in the mind space where like i just think like at some point that's just gonna catch up to you and like ruin your life in a way that it would never be worth it you know right Not for running. so yeah it's, it sucks <laughs> yeah so the last times a couple times you raced leading up to worlds you know you were at the long island mile you were at uh you know the fifth avenue mile like we were talking about I'm always fascinated by, is there, the night before the race, right, when you're going into a big race, is is it different at Worlds, or do you pretty much treat it the same as if you're showing up down at Fifth Avenue running that uh, that mile on the street? I mean, are you are you getting sleep the night before? Are you Is it on your head? Like, I, I, can, I can't even imagine what it's like trying to prepare myself for being on a stage like that, on a world stage. Yeah, I mean, uh, I would say probably in this respect everyone's different but uh personally like man i had a great sleep the night before when I was down. <laughs> <laughs> like to be honest like i don't really get too nervous i, I don't know I, I just get kind of excited and um i sleep really well in hotels as well so uh yeah like to like for worlds it was like i don't know i can see how you would get nervous and it might have an impact on your sleep and stuff but i think most people it's like you know we've done this so many times and uh it's a massive race but and again it is just another race so and you've had a lot of success in races before so you're really not trying to 
doing anything new, anything too crazy. Um, I think, yeah, there's a lot of pressure and stuff, but it's still like you're just trying to make things as simple as possible and go back to your routines and just do things that have worked for you before. So I think for most people, it's actually, it's pretty standard. It's just, yeah, you're in a different place. There might be some new challenges. Um, but at the end of the day, yeah, pretty similar experience. Yeah. And then what about like, uh, you know, post race? I know, uh, you know, this was, you know, your first year as a professional, as a professional runner and, you know, you're at the world championships and you're the first one out of the, out of the finals, right? You're the first one to, to miss that final heat. Is it one of those situations where it's like you were happy to, to be there in the first place or do you get pretty pissed off when you, know, <laughs> you, you just barely miss like that? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I actually ended up being the second one out because Jakob ended up getting put back in, but I was still oh, okay. super close. And that, I mean, from that side, like, I will say I was pretty bummed because, like, yeah, making finals and doing well at the finals was, like, probably my biggest goal of the year, and I really, really thought I could do it. Um, and it's frustrating because there's, like, I mean, I hate to make excuses, like, because I, like, the way they do it, you know, it's top two heats. Uh, I mean, there's two heats, top five from each heat going in. So, like, that's what I'm, I'm racing for. And I, know I ended up being, I think – what was I, eighth in my heat, right. in heat one, um, what was I, what was I saying, I think it was eighth, but, um, like, being in heat one just, like, kind of sucks, because, yeah. <laughs> because heat two is, like, always, always gonna run quick, because they know what they have to run, yeah. and also, my heat was fucking stacked, like, yeah. the top, that. the top five in my heat were all in the top six in the final, so, Jeez. like, it was it was it was it was a really tough but um in terms of how I actually raced it and how it played out like that, like, you know, I was I was really happy. Like Good. I think I really like put myself in it and did everything that I could. Like I never want to have the mentality like I'm just happy to be here. Um, you know, two years ago I narrowly missed the final as well. But I think I actually raced way better this time and I think I made good progress. And so I was really bummed and pissed off and frustrated for a little bit, but then um, pretty quickly, I think I was like, you know what? Like, I, I actually did great. It's just that these guys are better than me. <laughs> like, that's the reality right now. Like, these guys are just so good, and they were just better than me. So um, for now, be, for now, yeah, for now, that's the thing. <laughs> I left it. I left it super motivated and like just wanting to get better, you know. So um, yeah, that's kind of how I, how I have like looked at this race. Yeah. So we have, uh, you know, we're, we're looking at a, an Olympics year coming up. So obviously I can imagine that's a huge goal for you, but, um, in between now and then, do you have any, do you have any goals as you kind of gear up for the Olympic year? Yeah. Um, it's hard to say exactly cause I'm still certainly in the process of kind of like working out what the schedule will look like for that year, but yeah, everything's going to be based around the Olympics and then, um, Actually, I'm thinking that I would like to run World Indoors, which is in China, in March as well. Um, you know, any opportunity to kind of race like those guys and represent Australia, like I'm going to try and take. So I would love to do that. So uh, I think probably maybe do some indoor races. Um, I mean, it really come down to like what exactly I have to do to like qualify for the Olympics and all that, which at the moment... I'm not exactly sure on, but uh, yeah, everything's going to be getting around those those big races, but I hope to, you know, do a bunch of other cool races as well. 
Are you going to try and get on a cross-country uh, race at all? Any, any cross-country in your future? You know, like, cross-country I love. I don't think this year I'll, there'll be, like, much of an opportunity to do it, so probably not. However, um, the year after, yeah, 2021, I think World Cross is in Australia. So oh. that's something that I'm already, like, yeah, really looking forward to, and that's definitely going to be, like, a big goal of mine is doing that. So um, I'm definitely going to be trying to do World Cross Country like every chance I, I can. Like I, I love that that race and that experience. That's probably like honestly the toughest race in the world. Uh, I did it a couple of times as a junior. But yeah, the next one's in Australia. So that's going to be awesome. Speaking of cross country, how much, uh, you know, being the, the reigning NCAA champion in cross country and, you know, still being fresh out of college, we've talked about a little bit, but are you still like a, a fan of of college cross country like is it still something you're you're gonna follow and you know pay attention to or is it kind of like that stage is over move on to the next thing you're just focusing on on you yeah i mean to be honest like right now like um i'm like i think the wisconsin guys are racing this weekend so i'm certainly gonna like follow them because you know i i care and i'm gonna I'm right. keep up with them, you know? but um with like where I'm at right now, like it's 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 kind of weird. Like this, I guess this will give you some perspective on what it's like to be a runner. You know, you finish the world champs, and like yeah, you've been so into running all year. And to be honest, like you just want to get away from it, which is like what yeah. I'm doing essentially right now. Like you know, you just like it does your head in at some point. So like I'm not. I think like it'd be different if. Um, if say the world chance was earlier and say I was back in Madison, like training with the guys, that'd be a really different story. But like, you know, I'm on kind of my break right now. And, um, I just, I just don't really care that much about it right <laughs> yeah. now, but I so, think, um, I think I will like certainly as I get back into training and like the season goes on, like certainly nationals and stuff, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be pretty into it. Yeah. So like following you and some of the other professional runners and being able to have the opportunity to talk to a lot of you guys, I've been fascinated by, I mean, obviously you guys are doing all kinds of miles and training your ass off and that takes a toll, but the amount of like traveling that goes mm -hmm. on yeah. as a professional runner and bouncing all over the place, it seems like you guys are in a, a different country. Every time we talk to somebody, it's like, that must take a ridiculous toll on a person and then still having to do all the training on top of that. That's crazy. Yeah, it does. I mean, um, especially if you look at running, like probably the biggest recovery thing is sleep and like travel obviously has a really big impact on that sometimes and definitely takes a bit to i mean i'm from australia so i'm like i we you know we everything's far from there i'm used to <laughs> travels but in terms of how that kind of impacts my training like it's certainly and i think again like my coach mick is really good at handling that like for example when i came back to the states after racing in london i um i had like the worst travel of my life like i had to sleep in freaking newark airport Oh. it was like it was oh, rough like gosh. it was like yeah it was meant to be like 15 hours of travel that got turned into like 40 hours and so i was like so tired so sleep deprived and at that point it's like well i can't even fucking train right now like for the next like i get back to madison it's like all right well for the rest of the week i'm just gonna like catch up on sleep and maybe go for a few jogs but there's nothing you can really do when your body's in that state it's just like it's just pointless so it is kind of new and you do have to be mindful of. So, yeah, I try not to, not too much traveling, but obviously there's, uh, there is a pretty high amount of traveling that you have to do to get to those rates. We need, uh, we need treadmills on airplanes. 
<laughs> that's that's the answer. Yeah, that'd be nice. Oh, yeah. We need podcast studios and airports too. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay, so what are your uh, what are your travel plans in Italy? What do you got planned in Italy? Where are you going? What are you doing? So I'm kind of like I have an apartment in Venice, so I'm kind of going to be based here for like three weeks. But on the weekends, we're going to take some trips. Honestly, like planning it very very last minute. I might go to. Uh, Bologna. I don't know if that's how you say it, but <laughs> Bologna tomorrow. Um, then the weekend after, I go to some mountain things near here, and then the final weekend might go to Florence. But yeah, during the week I'm in Venice, just living the Italian life. It's uh, it's pretty cool, just like drinking a lot of coffee and just um, eating <laughs> some good food. We're we're powering through this interview right now, Morgan. Trent's uh somewhere in in an airport just like losing internet nonstop. you're getting in fights with uh lawnmowers i've been yeah. sick all week and uh steve looks like he's about to to fall asleep here so good <laughs> on us guys i mean i know like yeah. being a professional runner is tough but i think this gives some insight into being a part-time podcaster morgan do you have any like uh you know, do you have any empathy for how hard our job is? I mean, I know <laughs> running a lot of miles is tough, but this looks pretty hard, doesn't it? No, you guys are worried. About that. <laughs> um, this, yeah, this consistency, that's what's going to bring you to the top, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting, actually, not to get too deep. I know that was kind of a joking question, but it's like if you want to be good at anything, it's never easy. So, yeah. yeah. We're working hard, but we're having a lot of fun, and I and I do we do got to thank you, Morgan, because I mean we started we started a, a little over seven months ago, and um, you know we were just like, all right, who do we want to get on? And we put together a list, and it's like, all right, let's start reaching out to these people. And the first person that we reached out to was Morgan McDonald. You agreed <laughs> to come on. You were our first interview, and you know it, it was fun. We we had a good time, but you kind of gave us some legitimacy and like, I think other people saw like when we reached out to them that you came on and yeah. they were more willing to come on. So thank you. You, you're actually a big part of kind of launching us and kind of getting this podcast off the ground. Uh, that makes me happy. You guys do a great thing here. It's awesome to be a part of it. You know, I mean, that's a, it's, it's cool what you do because I think like people might think, um, that I don't know, in the middle of nowhere doing this training and shit, but they're actually like very accessible and have a mm. lot of free free time in their days so <laughs> and they're good people like yeah. all the runners we talked to have been just awesome people and they've been fun to talk to <laughs> well anyways thank you so much you know get back to your get back to your trip in in, in italy get back to your your vacation you know drink some wine eat some <laughs> pasta have a good time maybe, maybe we'll have you back in another six months as you're getting ready for uh, <laughs> for, the, for the olympics but thanks so much for coming on man no worries, guys. Thanks for having me. All right, Thanks, take care, buddy. The FCC won't let me be or let me be me, so let me see. They try to shut me down on MTV. All right, thanks again to Morgan for coming on. That was a lot of fun. Great to see him again, and we kind of wish him the best of luck heading into 2020 and his run at the Olympics next year. Um, we haven't even got into it, but we just had world championships. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Too much to talk about right now. I know. Just so much to talk about, so much important stuff to talk about. We did want to run through, I think, what were some of the highlights of the week. And it's crazy because, like, you know, I kind of feel – I kind of have that feeling at the end of, like, a playoff run or at the end of March Madness where it's, like, this was, like, a part of my life. 
for the past 10 days where it's like I'm trying to pop up the feed and and watch it and now it's just like it's gone it's you know it's gone <laughs> my life until until next year so I kind of feel a little empty now that it's over yeah it's been like every time I'm out somewhere I feel like I'm always like pulling up my my uh, NBC gold app to like see see where we're at in the races and people are kind of giving me weird looks like what are you watching right now it's like oh I'm just watching the uh world championship pole vaults no problem here <laughs> i'm actually it's been fun when you, you pull it up like that and, and it's nice the mdc sports app worked pretty well um and people around you are, are asking what you're watching i feel like i got some random people to watch like half an event yeah you know definitely. for five minutes or to watch you know the the final and something because they're not thinking of put it on but as soon as you're like these are the greatest people in the world at this single discipline how can you how can you not watch it definitely yeah, I was in. Uh, I was with uh, my guy Pat McCurry. Shout out Pat. Um, and we were we pulled into a Whole Foods for for lunch one day while I was traveling with him in in Philadelphia. And we got some lunch and we popped up my iPhone and we were watching the trials for the 1500 meters. And we were just going nuts. And there was a couple people kind of like peeking over watching it. And it was just <laughs> like it was a lot of fun. But speaking of the 1500 meter, let's start there. Yes, crazy race yesterday. Um, you know, we didn't we didn't get quite the result we wanted from that race, but we kind of got the result we expected. Yeah, we didn't get the result we wanted, but we got a badass freaking race. Like, I don't care who you're... I mean, obviously, you're rooting for the American Central Ingles, our boy. But, God, that was, like, fun to watch Chariot just go after it like that. Like, so much. So much props to him. So much respect that he just took it out that freaking fast. Um, everything we talk about, how making it not, you know, a sit and kick. I loved every moment of it, even though, you know, he wasn't our guy. It was, it was so fun to watch him race. So I think I've been blindly throwing shade at Matt Centros for quite some time now, but I finally have a reason to be angry at him because he cost me some money yesterday. Uh, so there we go. That's just fueling my fire a little bit, but no, I mean, it was a good race. Um, our guys yesterday were just outmatched. I mean, that's that field was so insanely ridiculous, and they ran well. I mean, like Craig ran his like personal best and finished like or close to it, and you know finished like ninth in the world or something like that. Like that's how good that field was. But watching Chariot up front up there, that guy is a machine. He runs yeah, with like his hands like open, like open fist. He has got this like weird lean forward. He just like looks like he was like made in a laboratory. The dude is an absolute machine. Whoa, whoa, and then, whoa! What are you trying to say there, Mike? Hey, hey, oh, hey! Whoa, whoa. hey. <laughs> yeah, that was probably the wrong way to go at that. This episode. <laughs> uh, but did you guys see like the entire last like 50 meters? I mean, the race still wasn't completely over. It's a 1500. People are kicking hard, and Chariot has this like huge smile on his face the entire last like 50 meters of the race. I was cracking up watching. Like this guy. Is just out there doing his thing and enjoying it and just knows he's gonna win. He stepped on the line, he knew he was gonna win. Yeah, he's just like a, a runaway freight train out there. I mean, you look at a guy like Centrowitz, who you can't find a smoother, like more comfortable looking stride out there, and then you got this guy chariot out up front who's just got limbs <laughs> flailing, just kind of like going nuts. But yeah, Trent, on what you're saying, like we talk so much. Like the mile, 1500. This is the showcase event, and like we hate it when it's a super tactical um, race. Chariot just went out from the from the gun and dominated. Awesome, awesome to watch. 151 at the 800. <laughs> I mean, it's just like it's like I mean, 
how how do you compete with that? Like it's just like you know you know Centrowitz put himself in a position at you know up until like the 800, um, even the 1200 where it looked like you know maybe he's got a shot and maybe he's gonna do the Centrowitz thing and kind of you know snipe him at the at the finish line. But it's like when you open up like that, that's an impossible pace to keep up with. It really is, and I think if Centro is gonna beat a guy like that. That's usually how it's going to happen. They're going to go out and do something crazy, and Centro just kind of races yep. tactically, races smart, lets it on play, and then when the time is right, makes a move on him. But it, there just was never a time to make a move on this guy. He started hard and then just continued it through the rest of the race. Yeah, I was texting you guys. I was like, this is what we want. This is yeah. what we want. We wanted to get strung out. Like, we want an opportunity for, for Centro to kind of snipe at the end. Or our boy Angles, of course. He's he's a very similar type of type of runner. But we also had a little bit of money on Centrowitz at plus, you know, 2,500, which would have been really nice. Don't worry, though. We hedged our bets on Chariot, so we broke even on the 1,500, which is, yeah. you know, it's a, you know it's, it's better than losing money. We're it's professionals here. Move, yeah, we, yeah, we know what we're doing. We're sharps. We're in the house. Uh, <laughs> uh, 800 meters, guys. Yeah. Donovan Brazier becoming an instant legend on the track, just dominating the 800 meters, setting an American record at 142.34, I believe. Um, but just a, a legendary performance out there. He's another guy who didn't leave it to the last uh, 100 meters. He wanted to make sure that he kind of threw down the hammer early on, early enough in the race where there was no doubt to be had. So with like 300, 200 to go, he threw it down, and there was no looking back for our guy Donovan. Yeah, and a, and a big shout-out to whoever's in fourth place there, Mr. Bryce Hopple, the guy you know, right. just just you know finished NCAA track, um, you know, wasn't even a senior, kind of decided not to return. And now he's out there coming in fourth place at Worlds. So <laughs> a really fun showing to see Brazier dominate, and then also our boy Bryce kind of right in the mix of things. I will say that uh, our guy Bryce kind of took off after he went on a little unknown podcast and just kind of became a household name after that. I would definitely agree with that. Back on Brazier one more time. We were just talking about how Chariot was so dominant. There was like no doubt in your mind watching Brazier that he was going to win. When he made that move with 300 to go, most people would have been like, wow, that's kind of an aggressive move and an 800 to, to move on the back stretch like that. But it was just like, as soon as he went, he took over the lead and it was like, this race is over. There's nobody who's going to beat this guy. He just looks so damn confident. And I mean, he is, he's one of the most, you know, he, he is one of the most like, I don't want to say no doubters, but as far as like when we're looking at 2020 gold at the Olympics, I mean, there's not an American. I feel more comfortable saying, you know, that's our best shot right there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think in general, the the 800 meters for the U.S. is in really, really good hands. You know, you got we Brazier with gold up front, Bryce Hopple, you know, kind of coming out of nowhere, just missing the podium. He's only going to get significantly better over over the next year. Um, Clayton Murphy, and then we got a bunch of other up, up and comers. The 800 meters, I think, next year is going to, you know, it's going to be dominated by the U.S., which is really exciting. Can we talk about the woman's side of the 800 real quick? Yes, please. Go for it, Mike. So, um, thank God. I mean, I was going to put uh, some money down on Aji Wilson at minus 400. She was, like, the overwhelming favorite, and she got upset. She yeah. got beat. 
Um, now, I think, again, looking towards Olympic year 2020, I think maybe a little bit of a revenge year for Aji Wilson. Um, but, yeah, she ended up taking home bronze. Um, so that was a little bit disappointing. But uh, her fellow Team USA, uh, Raven Rogers, I don't know if you guys watched this race. Yeah. But she, she had some ridiculous kick in the last, like, 50 meters. If there was, I swear to God, 10 to 20 more meters left in that race, she would have been your gold you know, gold medal winner. Um, I think she might've gone a little bit late, but that was like kind of my eyes. It was like, Holy smokes, this girl's got, got something to watch here. So I think she moving forward to 2020 might be someone to keep an eye out for as well. Raven's my girl. I had her at USA's <laughs> in our little uh, betting pool that we had. Uh, it's fun. When we do all that stuff. All these people, you know, you get a little more special rooting interest. You, you win money off somebody once, so you're invested in them one time. And then they're just like, <laughs> My, that's my person now. So I'm a big Raven Rogers fan. She's just going to keep getting better coming out at the Olympics and getting on the podium again with, with Aji right by her side. Yeah, I, I think Aji just ran a really poor tactical race. I think it was just a bad day for her because I think you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody more dominant in their event and kind of a bigger favorite. I want to give a quick shout-out to the the sprints real quick. We don't have to talk mm-hmm. too deeply about it because mainly I don't <coughs> know anything about it, but... Uh, me and Mike in one of the previews, we were talking Noah Lyles and how excited we are yep. for him to just kind of take over the world stage. So it was great to see him grab gold in the 200. Um, and then I know the men's relay did real well and then they grabbed gold um, on that side as well. So Lyles walks away with a couple golds. The guy could be probably he's going to be the one that we see most often in the TV commercials leading up to the yep. Olympics. And yep. so I want to see him fully swagged out and then I want to see him keep dominating. So that was great to see. You know, I was actually listening to something where they were talking about somebody who's like more familiar with the sprint events than I am. And they were talking about how it was a really like poor showing from Lyles in the 200 meter. Like it was not a great day for him. And just like the the way he set himself up is just didn't look like himself. And they think like the pressure might have gone to him a little bit. And I was like, if that is, you know, not his best performance and he was still I mean, with 50 minutes to go, it looked like it was still a close race, and then he just opened up and smoked everybody. I was like, if that's that's him on a bad day, I can't wait to see what he looks like on a on a big stage on a good day. Yeah, 22 yeah. years old, he he gets to have days that aren't going to be perfect for him, yeah. but he's just going to keep learning and keep getting better. And yeah, your bad day is still world champion. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'll take if that. If you can yeah. find a way to win on your bad day, then uh, I think you're in pretty good shape. Um, I wanted to uh, just kind of touch base on a winner that uh, doesn't wear the the USA on their chest. Did you guys watch the 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 finals in the ste- steeplechase? I did, yeah. So Kipruto from Kenya, um, I kind of I kind of really like this guy. So I, I watched because of our guy Andy Bayer. Um, I watched all the all the trials and all the races of the of the steeple kind of leading up. Um, this guy is very dominant in the steeple, and he knows it, and he's very vocal on the track. Um, he got tripped up a couple times, and he he wasn't afraid to kind of, like, get in the mix and kind of throw some elbows and actually, uh, you know, get pretty vocal with some of the athletes out there. Um, uh, so it was, it was fun to watch him, and it was fun to kind of watch that, you know, people talking and kind of fighting a little bit on the track. And when it came down to the finals and kind of the um, – you know, the finish in that that last 400, he completely blew away the field. He crossed the finish line, just kind of folded his arms and kind of, you know, silenced the crowd. I was actually, I actually really enjoyed watching him out there. Yeah, it sinks because when we, uh, you know, we're hyping up this race a little bit, we're all like, 
all in on on Team USA and a fan. I still felt that way, but it is kind of a bummer when you get a an athlete from a different country. It's like, oh man, that guy is awesome. It's like I want to root for him so bad. I don't know. It's kind of a. Uh, I mean, I guess you see that in other sports too. You see guys on other teams. You're like, oh man, I wish he was on my team. Yeah, you get to have your your second teams or whatever. You get to have a few uh, wild cards out there in your, <laughs> in your supply who you're really you know cheering for. So we can be Caputo fans. Shelby Houlihan with an American record in the 1500 meters. You know, on the USA stage, it's uh, it you she's she's unbelievably dominant. She's probably arguably one of the, the you know arguably the greatest uh, female runner in the United States right now. Um, watching her run an American record out there on the track, bummed she didn't get on the podium. But again, somebody I think has got a strong chance to medal for the United States next year in the Olympics. To circle back on our conversation before you guys heard the Morgan McDonald interview, um, as soon as this results came out, there was a story about Safan Hassan who won the oh, gold yeah. about her association with Salazar. So I think that's a prime example of just the the suckiness of the whole thing is, you know, the results happen and then there's going to be this immediate cloud over so many athletes. So, um, yeah, that was that was kind of lame. But, yeah, shout out to Shelby. Shout out to, to Jenny, too. She had a, you know, a decent day. And uh, to, your, to your point, Trent, too, where – Hassan is like literally lighting the world on fire right now and is already making a case for being like one of the best to ever do it. That's, <clears throat> I mean, I think it, it, it draws a lot of attention to her saying that like, oh, she's definitely dirty. So if she is clean doing what she's doing, that's a, that's a major disappointment for the sport because it's like we should be getting excited about this young girl who's, you know, on on pace to start smashing records all over the place but you know you'll never know there like i was saying earlier it's lose lose <clears throat> it's lose lose because there's no way to prove that she's clean there's only a way to prove that she's dirty did anybody did any of you guys watch the uh the high jump the men's high jump i saw it, clips here and there so it was i think it was on like either right before or right after uh the fit men's 1500 meter semis and i was kind of glued to it because um, what's his name here? Let me pull him up real quick. Um, Mutaz Isa Barshim. So this guy is from Qatar. So he is, he was the, you know, kind of the only notable kind of local guy there kind of that had an opportunity to go for a medal. And his performance out there was electric. Um, I got to double check if he won gold. Sorry, guys. He did. He did. I got the results okay. right up here. And kind of going back and forth with the other athletes out there, he's just coming back from what was almost a career-ending injury. He had surgery. This was his real, like, first performance back at a high level. Um, just kind of going back and forth, watching him consistently clear the bar, you know, one after another after another, and just going absolutely nuts for the hometown crowd. A lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I, I think events like that that I didn't usually get to watch – um, that and then like the pole vault, the pole vault was one of the most insanely fun things to watch because you had, I guess like some of the best, you know, pole vaulters in a long time. The guy Mondo Duplantis, um, and then the guy Kendricks from the U.S. who eventually won the U.S. I mean, Trent, you talked about him in the last episode. That guy is the man, and the celebrations. 
you know, they do that very long fall down to the mat. So they have the entire time to realize that they just made it over the bar. And then as soon as they hit the mat, you know, people are pumping their fists and screaming. It is so much fun to watch. I love pole vault and high jump celebrations. Dude, how is pole vault in the same sport as distance running? <laughs> yeah, it's it is an ridiculous. insane sport. But I know, you, I know we mentioned it uh, in previous episodes, but shout out to NBC for like making me care and making, making me care about these kind yes. of fringe events. Um, and doing a really good job of kind of showcasing it and uh, just making it fun, stuff that I would kind of be annoyed by that I would have to watch because I'm just trying to get to, like, the event that I want to see. Um, they made it interesting, and they did a good job with it, and it was really entertaining to watch. Yeah, yeah I think the uh, the sound was was sucking people in around me. Like, I was uh, watching the 1500 and my brothers around, and the analysts are, like, really getting into it. It was just uh, people were doing a good job, a lot of energy on the screen um and like the app worked well and all that stuff so it really was a pretty good viewing experience if you're trying to watch it did you guys see the intros to the like 100 and the 200 finals i didn't even know how it was possible it was insane steve oh i mean it looked like um the las vegas like intro to their hockey their hockey games like when they're in the playoffs they were projecting all this crazy stuff onto the track like you had Every when they introduced all the runners, their face was projected onto the track, and the entire stadium was was dark. And they had all these like crazy things going on. They had like their name like zipping around the track in their I mean, perspective lane. Yeah, I, it was ridiculous. And then they had the spotlight on the one guy, so like all you could see in the stadium was the stuff lighting up on the track, and then the spotlight on the one guy. I mean, it was awesome. I mean, if that's if you can pump that stadium full at the Olympics and do the same thing. That would be the most electric atmosphere ever. I thought it was. I thought it was just on the TV broadcast. Oh, yeah. It took me. It took me a little while to realize. It was like, oh no, this is actually happening in real life. It was wild. I was actually thinking, like, what if they could do some like cool stuff during the race? What if That's like, true. what if like the gun went off and it was the, it was like a dark, a, you know, darkish stadium and they had like the crazy lights and they had, what if they had somebody's name following at them as they ran around <laughs> the track in the lane? Stuff like that could actually be pretty wild. It would be cool. Some of that stuff is uh is a hit or miss, right? Like you see the NFL putting like a uh, new innovation on it, but uh, you gotta love when they're just like trying out all this new crazy stuff and some of it really sticks. And I think yeah, they did a cool job. Yeah. Go ahead, Mike. You had some uh, some highlights you wanted to rattle off. Yeah, so just some – we've not hit some of them, but um, the Ingham Britson family. Oh, yeah. we, we got to talk we, about this. We could do an entire show on this family. They're fascinating to me. I mean, they like – they're Norway, right? Is that what they're Yeah. From? Yeah, so yes. they're I – mean, and they – their family is like royalty in, in their country. And you have three of the fastest men in the entire sport – and they're all brothers. I mean, it's ridiculous. And I was I was uh, listening, and I kind of tried to do a little research on it. But I guess they have their own reality show yeah. in Norway. <laughs> yeah. And it's like the Inga Brinson family. And I guess it's like a huge hit. It would be like, you know, like the Kardashians in America or something like that. You have the Inga Britsons in Norway having their own reality show. And I guess it's not just their brothers. Like, I guess it's been like a long history of the Inga Britson family just being like, this insane athletic family from this one country. So that was uh, insane. That was one point I had. I wanted to talk. Can I, can I, let yeah, me, yeah. Uh, so um, all three brothers in the, in the, um, the 5k, um, Jakob, 
or Jacob, however you want to pronounce it, um, <laughs> the youngest of all the brothers is by far the best. He was in the he was in the finals for the 5K. He was in the finals for the 1500 meters. His race in the 5K might be the single most impressive effort I saw at all at the entire World Championships. All like every single event I watch, I think his effort in the 5K super impressive. He didn't win. I believe he finished fifth. But with about like 800 meters to go, he's just like, I am going for it. And he put it all on the line. He led up until maybe, you know, 150 left to go. And when he crossed the line, the finish line, he literally collapsed on the track. He crossed the finish line. And I've never seen somebody go down at the finish line as hard as he did. Super impressive performance, laid it all out there, you know, tried to make it happen. Unfortunately, it didn't work out for him. But this guy, he's the youngest of all the brothers. He has potential to be one of the all-time greats in distance running. Yeah, and then he came back and finished fourth in that crazy 1500 yeah. race. So yeah, he, he, he they're they're a wild family. Um, I want to give a shout out to the women's 10K because the 10K is an event. You know, America started to like uh, show their dominance in events like the sprinting events and now we're creeping up into like even the mid distance 800 and the, the 1500s like that showing but the further you up get in the distance it's you know it's still the same countries dominating the entire world uh but the women's 10k the americans went eight nine and ten back to back to back and mariel hall uh was leading the way for the americans so i think there's some young uh, women's distance runners there and I think them being able to perform on that stage I think could be a, a really good sign for 2020 so I think they're an event to be watching um, and then another women's event I wanted to talk about was the uh, women's 110 hurdles Brianna McNeil is like the number one uh, 110 hurdler in the world uh, she won the Olympics and I think she has like the third or fourth fastest time ever and so she's by far the odds on favorite really she she gets out, she has a good chance of winning this race, and the slightest false start. I mean, it was a false start, but it was barely anything, and she gets booted from the track. And, I mean, just the emotion from her. She's immediately going to the ref. They're looking at the camera. She's, like, crying watching it. They show her going into, like, the locker room. She looks like she's, like, about to punch a wall. She's, like, I mean, it was... But, I mean, thinking about it on that stage, I know she's already won an Olympic gold, but you work all year to be a world champion and you know that you're the number one in the world and you don't even get to get off the blocks and you get to watch somebody just like take your goals from you. I mean, I know it's a rule and I know you, you can't fall start. You can't do it. But I just, that, that is a, um, a situation that I just cannot even begin to imagine and relate to because, you know, unless you're there, unless you're that one individual who has that potential, you're just never going to be able to understand how bad that sucks just heartbreaking yeah heartbreaking to like watch a, a somebody's reaction to that and to, yeah have that thought you don't even you have a bad day you have a bad day right you get out right. there and somebody goes out and beats someone you. just beats you yeah exactly. but to to not even get to to step up like did i get to go i mean yeah and I'm, I'm sure there's like hundreds of examples of that throughout the entire 10-day championship and that's just the one that got highlighted for me but you know watching her emotion just was highlighted to me how 
you know how important it is to these 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 uh, athletes. I mean, it, this is yeah. their everything, and when being a world champion is what you do it for. So. Yeah, that's, and that's a part uh, of sport, like you said, we'll never understand as distance runners where it's like, you know, timing and getting off the blocks right and not fall starting is is half the sport pretty much with those sprinters. And it's just like to have an off day, you know, to, you know, m- you know, miss time to start a little bit just sucks. And, and for us as distance runners, like it's hard for us to empathize with with getting off the blocks and fall starting because it's just not a part of our sport. Right? You know what yeah. I mean? Like we, I, I don't really understand that part of the sport. Anything else, Mike? I think that's all I got. I think we touched upon everything else I want to talk about. There's just so much we couldn't possibly hit it all. Yeah, there's so much. You know, we could we could we could spend another hour to two hours kind of recapping this, but we had a lot to talk about today. It was an it was an action packed episode. Um, a lot of fun. I mean, I think we you know we 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 covered some of the the important highlights for for distance running and stuff that really stood out to us but um you know maybe maybe next episode we'll kind of look back and see what we missed and kind of recap some of the the really cool stories um but let's get into the bell lap guys yeah so my bell lap for like the last three episodes has been about uh leaf catching and so i'm just gonna keep the train rolling here um i gotta be honest guys my leaf catching form early season not looking great right now. I'm uh, <laughs> off to a uh, early season slump a little bit. I feel like I'm overreaching a little bit. I'm being a little bit too aggressive with the leaves, you know, really trying to swipe at them. The leaves are falling delicately. You need to catch them delicately. You need to train yourself that when you see a leaf, it's not like 110% effort. You got to really go in there and have soft hands and just kind of let it fall into it. And I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around that right now. So I'm trying to work on that form a little bit and get better for, you know, when the postseason comes around. <laughs> You got time, like these early season leaves are the smaller yeah, ones. Yeah. The, they get thrown all over the place. Um, the big ones will start coming. Those are a little easier for you. <laughs> Trent, what do you got for people on the Bell app? Hey, big shout out to the Portland Pilots who who are uh, they won the Charles Bowles Invitational. The men's team did out in Oregon um, the other weekend, and then big shout out to the UW Wolverines. They won the Big Ten preview. So uh, we just talked World World Track Championships, but I think now that the World Champions are done, it is. I feel like we said it like four times now, but it is yep. officially cross-country season. And so um, I want to check out on my two teams, the Michigan Wolverines for the year and the Portland Pilots. And they both look good. He's got the early season tune-ups, and they're, they're both taking taking Ws out there. So um, watch out, guys. Uh, I feel really good about my teams this year. Yeah, we've been saying it for three months now. It's cross-country season. <laughs> so I think we're going to talk a lot more cross-country season in the episodes to come. Um you know, I'm just going to leave it on this, guys. We have some major interviews coming up. Um, there's going to be some big episodes. Please tell your friends. Share this podcast with anybody that you think would be interested. It would mean a lot. It would help us grow. Um, other than that, guys, I would have run faster, but I peaked too early. Mike, hit me with the Josie. Like Steve, worth more than a quarter. But I'm back to being me, which is more than a whore. But I don't want to seem like I don't know what I'm doing. I just can't sit still while emotions are moving to prove it. Here is my theory on wine. It gets bittersweet, which is better if you give it some time. Because in its prime, it is why you let your spirit run free. So in touch with your senses that you can hear it run deep. Maybe it's the right bottle that it chilled me out But not nothing new, cause I got something new Hear me out, wished on a star to find Lady Luck She says she won't reveal herself until I don't know if you can hear it on my mic right now But you're doing some like mowing, kinda near where I am And I'm scared, <laughs> he's getting closer to me So, hopefully that's not too bad 
right, well, let, let's we'll jump into it and uh, and try to beat the mower. So that was the thing. I was like, I was like, picked out this spot. I'm like, shit, this is gonna be so perfect. Like, there's not gonna be anyone here. Like, cause it's like everyone is in class and stuff right now. Like, I think kids hang out here a fair bit, but right now it's so chill. And then these freaking mowers just come out, man. It's, it's not bad. Um, man, this fucking guy, Jesus. I don't know how to speak Italian, otherwise I'm telling him. I was about to say, start telling him off. Cuss at him in Italian. Yeah, it's really fucked me up. <laughs> I don't know how you guys do this, but um, <laughs> you probably want to cut this section out, I imagine. That's yeah, right. Yeah, Table, a love is spilling, waiting to 